on the Jacob Year Show today. Welcome back, everybody. I'm happy to have on Mark Tarpening. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great today. Better today. I know you guys had some storms a uh, couple throughout the last couple of days in uh, the Palo Alto area, so good to see everything's holding up well. Yeah, they screwed most of it back together again, so that's uh, that, that's good. Right on. So for some of our guests who might not know, um, you co-founded Tesla. And uh, strange but true, yes. Yes, and um, you know, for other people who are saying that's Elon's title, well, companies, it's not one person making it. Even if one person gets big off of it, it's a lot of different people behind the scenes making that product come to life. So tell us a little bit about your story, um, how you got involved and how you co-founded Tesla, basically. Yeah, so uh, first off, it's great to be on the show. Um, so in 2003, uh, Martin Eberhard and I uh, started Tesla. On, in fact, so it's coming up on 20 years uh, th this coming July. We uh, got interested in the idea of electric vehicles for a variety of reasons. Uh, climate change was becoming kind of real in 2003, although it was still a little bit controversial, but uh, not like it is now where there's like, it's obvious. And also I had spent a lot of time in the Middle East and seeing what our money does in the Middle East for oil was not exactly you know, inspiring. So I really thought we should do something to reduce oil consumption. So Martin, uh, Martin was the one who first really brought up the idea and he wanted a, you know, an electric car and there had been some electric cars but they all got you know, shut down. And the more we thought about it and the more research we did, it just made more and more sense. And we saw that the technology was just possible. The battery is all about the batteries fundamentally. And we were familiar with batteries uh, from consumer electronics days. So we knew that the batteries just kept getting better and cheaper. And we did all the math and just determined that we could make a really compelling car. So by, and we had to figure out how we were gonna make a car. So we spent about six months, you know, really trying to understand how we could actually go into production and how we could make a car. And, and at the end of the year, you know, after the Christmas holidays, we went looking for money and sort of started shaking the trees in January. And by April, we had our first round of funding. And, and Elon was uh, the lead investor in that he, uh, we had two small venture firms who had already said yes. And we were, you know, then looking for a lead. Uh, and we went down to SpaceX and pitched him and he said yes. Interesting. So yeah, for those of the people that don't know, a lot of people think that, you know, Elon started SpaceX way after when, of course, he used a lot of his money from PayPal and Tesla to get a big chunk into that and both have become a success story. Yeah, SpaceX is amazing. But yeah, he <laughs> he'd only started SpaceX about a year before when we went down and pitched him, which one of the great things about that was just that, you know, we had this crazy idea of an electric car company and you know, that was kind of a big stretch for a lot of the venture capitalists here in Silicon Valley. But when you go down and the person is literally building rocket ships, you know, and your idea just isn't that crazy in that in, in <laughs> comparison. For sure. And, and, you know, one thing about so many great leaders, I don't want to talk too much about this is, you know, like you said, extraordinary, you know, people who have that vision who are going to believe in you, like you said, you kind of thought your idea was crazy, you know, at the time. Um, mm -hmm. Now, of course, Ford and others are trying it, but at the time it was crazy. You know, I can't, I mean, you still had Pontiac and so many other big companies around back then. And, you know, here comes a guy who decided to believe in the brand and said, I'll hear you out on it. So in yep. incredible story. 
Yeah, and then he was a you know he was a board member for for years, and you know would come to the board meetings and be very supportive. He was always very supportive of the mission, um, you know, and he believed. And eventually, of course, he becomes CEO. But that was you know, he's the fourth CEO in case anyone's keeping track. <laughs> Who were the first three? If you and I, I don't want to stand too long on just one topic about the CEOs, but yeah. who were the other so, three? Well, so so Martin and I started Tesla. So Martin was the CEO, and he was CEO for the first five years, basically. Um, and then, uh, so after Martin Eberhard, uh, we were, as we we're going to production, he gets kind of ousted because we had some production problems. And then we had Michael Marks, who was the former CEO of Flextronics. And he was only an interim CEO though, because, uh, he had his own thing he was doing a few months later, but he was willing to come in for a few months and help out. And he's an expert in manufacturing, which, which was our, what was, we were struggling to get into full-scale manufacturing for the Roadster. So he was super helpful. Uh, and then the, the board appointed a guy named Zev Drory, who was the former founder of Monolithic Memory, which is an old Silicon Valley company. And Zev, um, you know, I'm sure he's great, but he was not a good fit for Tesla. And so that, that went on. He was there for about six months, I guess, something about that. Um, and then... Um, and, you know, I, I didn't think he was a good fit, but the board seemed to really like him. And then the board, I guess, decided that they didn't really like him anymore. <laughs> yeah. And he was suddenly out uh, and, and Elon became CEO, which which was a great choice because he had always been super supportive. He had a lot of money in the company. Um, you know, he was always a believer. So uh, and then, of course, he, you know, drove the company you know, in, in a great direction, you know, and it became you know super successful. So interesting. And um, of course, I don't want to spend too much time on just this because you're doing a bunch of other stuff too. That's really cool and outstanding. Um, but basically, um, from there at the time when it wasn't as big of a thing until today, what was kind of that process then through like the 2010s through like up until I really didn't even, I'm going to be honest, I didn't hear about Tesla until about 2016, 2017, <laughs> when I saw some celebrity self-driving a car and I was like, that's pretty cool. And then I everyone at school has it as their screensaver on their school laptop. And it's like, wow. Oh, Elon Musk, some guy named Elon Musk founded. He's from, uh, from South Africa, you know? And then I, as I did the research now that I'm a senior in high school, it's like, Oh, there's some other stuff. So how did it kind of expand throughout that period of time? Yeah. So it, when, when actually when I left, actually when Zev was, was CEO, um, I had three little kids at home and I was, you know, kind of ready to, to leave. So that's when I left. And then Elon, you know, became CEO shortly after that. And I, if I had known Elon was going to be CEO, I probably would have stayed a little bit longer and, uh, and worked with him more directly. I mean, I saw him on the board all the time, but it would have been kind of fun to have, have been there when he was there as CEO. Um, so we were finishing the road. So the Roadster was going into production, which was the original Roadster. And that was our first car. And it was, you know, sort of being assembled in the UK by, um, by Lotus for us. But, but all the things that make the car go, we were, you know, we were manufacturing all over the world. So our, the motors, inverters, all the electronics, the battery system, you know, every, all the wires, everything that makes the car go was, you know, was our thing. And we knew that getting into the sedan market was the only, that, the sedan market is like a thousand times bigger than the than the um, or maybe ten thousand times bigger than the sports car market. So we knew we had to get into the sedan market to actually have impact, and we were very concerned that the big guys, if you will, the big car companies, once they saw the Roadster, they would just 
destroy they would just you know put a billion dollars in and 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 come up with you know some some comp competing sedan so we really went headlong into the sedan project uh and that was you know, i guess that was like 2008 to, you know time frame and you know so we were working on it working on it and then announced it probably i think about 2010 is when the sedan was announced we didn't ship it for another couple of years uh, and that was one that we, you know, built from scratch in the sense that, you know, we had our own factory at that point, and we were going to we were going to build them the way we wanted to build them, which is a little bit different than a traditional car. It's a little simpler, and a little bit more interesting. So, uh, so then it, you know, once the sedan came out, that was a huge success, and it really pushed the volumes up because the market is so much bigger. Once the sedan was really cranking, you know, then then all bets were off, you know. <laughs> Then you know we had to build new factories, and uh, and Elon really pushed to expand uh, Tesla all over the world to uh, to take advantage of the of the interest in the sedan, and then the Model Three, and you know the Model X, and um, and the Model Y. But uh, it was all uh, all expansion. But in the everything is on the, based on the same sort of drivetrain and battery technology. You know that we you know every iteration we get better at it. You know Tesla gets better at it. So uh, it's. Uh, you know, we're definitely, Tesla's definitely ahead of all the other car companies now. Now the other car companies are all building electric cars and their drivetrains are like Tesla's were, you know, six or seven years ago. For sure. Um, they'll, they'll get there. I mean, for sure, they'll get there. And, you know, in many ways, you know, they're, they know how to put cars together really, really well. So that's not a problem. It's just that the drivetrains, they, they haven't, don't have much experience with. So they're still learning about that. Interesting. So that's a real reason why, you know, because like Ford's came out and, and Chevy and some of them with hybrids and that's going to advance them on to electric and all that. And what's going to be really interesting is like Gavin Newsom, the governor, had signed a law, I want to say 2034, 2036. So it'll be interesting to see if that law doesn't get reversed, just how quick, you know, who becomes the leader in it potentially, if it is Tesla that ends up standing or if it's Ford or well, it who might, knows. It, so well, so the so the law you're referring to says basically you can't sell internal combustion engines in California after 2035. Now, and that's the same time frame as the European Union basically is saying 2035 or 2040, depending on which country is also saying that. Um, interestingly, the reason why the car companies did not put up a big fight for that was that in the intervening, you know, two years before Gavin Newsom signed this, which is an executive order, so it can be overturned pretty easily. But, um, but before he signed that, uh, the car companies, you know, Volkswagen said that they weren't going to be producing, and Volkswagen is the second largest car company in the world. They own everything, Audi, yeah. you name it. Exactly. And they said they wouldn't be producing internal combustion engines after 2035. Uh, and the and e-tron is something that they have you know exactly and they're going to go fully electric toyota had announced and toyota is the world's largest company that lexus would be an exclusively electric only um you know that's their premium brand is lexus and those would only be uh, evs starting in 2030. um so they and um i think and ford Ford also, I think, said that they were going to stop producing internal combustion engines worldwide by 2040. So, you know, all of the car companies are are on the mission to get out of the internal combustion engine. So 2035, 
you know, is pretty darn close to where they're, they were all expecting to be out of business, out of the internal combustion engine business anyway. So that so might have more been a political thing to look good, you know. Our governor doing something political? Hard to imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. And then the last thing about Tesla I kind of want to ask is, do you own a Tesla? <laughs> oh, yes. And the reason why I ask that is in the past, I've interviewed one of the co-founders of Apple, and he does not own an Apple product. So now I got to ask every co-founder of a major company, do you own that product? Just because oh, yeah, no, I, I got to ask I that question to everybody now. So I, I, I am on my second one. Actually, I had a very early Model S, one of the very first sedans that 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 came out of Model S. Um, and I drove that for 130,000, 140,000 miles or something like that. Uh, and then... I recently, a couple of years ago, uh, bought a new Model S uh, because I wanted all-wheel drive. I wanted the longer range because the batteries had gotten better. Uh, I wanted um, uh, the, the slightly better interior and some some better, you know, stuff. Um, and 140,000 miles, you know, any car, you're kind of thinking, ah, you know, maybe it's time to to replace it. It worked perfect. It was, you know, like a totally fine. It worked fine, but I, I. Uh, uh, I just wanted a new car. It had been, you know, almost ten years, so I, I picked up picked up a new Model S, um, and it's great, and I I love that. And then just because I live in a place uh, powered by PG and E, which seems to have power outages, you know, routinely, uh, I also have Tesla power walls on my house, which are like magic because the power fails and you don't even notice it. And we have solar on the house, so you know we can go, f you know forever really if we're a little careful between the power walls and the and the solar panels uh the only issue was that our recently this last week when we didn't have power for a few days our cable system uh, comcast which is the internet provider they only back up for about five hours so we had great internet for about five hours and then wow. <laughs> our internet went out and that was kind of a disaster but interesting and then kind of last part, because I don't want to hold you for too long. I know it's been the last couple of busy days is you're now doing some new ventures. Um, tell us a little bit about that with what you can say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a venture partner at a, a venture firm called Sparrow Ventures, which means hope in Latin. Uh, we are a $123 million fund. We invest in companies that make life better in some way. Uh, and that can be, you know, planetary health, human health, uh, human play and work and joy and um it's not a uh you know it's it's a venture firm so it's, there's no philanthropy it's all about you know making investing in companies that make a difference and let's see we have investments in uh i have a, a company that uh monitors air quality that with with sort of low-cost sensors for lots of communities uh to be able to both monitor their own safety, their, their air quality safety, but also to be able to put, you know, some political pressure on, you know, leaders if they if they find out that there's, you know, really bad particulates around the school or something. They can, like Flint, they, potentially, or East Palestine, Ohio now. Uh, yes, exactly. So things like that, you know, we, we, we have a lot and they have they they operate in about 160 countries around the world. Wow. So they're quite, quite dispersed. Um, Do you know if it's been ever used in like for Chernobyl? Because I know they still check the air levels, you know, around. Well, that, that's radiation. That's a little bit different. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm not a big things. science major. I yeah, do know about the elements, but I'm not. It, it, it's it's mainly particulates from like burning diesel is probably the, the main one, diesel trucks, but also uh, lots of other industrial processes can release these really fine particulates, which are bad for you. So, you know, we have companies like that. We have robotics companies. Um, another one that I'm 
quite fond of is a robotics company based in Denver that picks strawberries. Uh, they have fleets of robots that go into strawberry fields and, and pick strawberries, which looks super cool if you, you get to see one, because, <laughs> you know, to have 100 robots all picking strawberries is, is pretty, pretty neat. And um, this is all STEM stuff, of course, which is such a big thing with education nowadays. Oh, yeah. Every, everything that we invest in is, is a technology company uh, in, in some way or another. We've looked at uh, synthetic fuels. We've looked at uh, a lot of synthetic biology stuff. We haven't actually, I think we've got one investment in synthetic biology. So, you know, it's, it's a super exciting thing. And of course, at the moment, everything is about artificial intelligence. We don't have any specific investments in AI, but we look at lots of things that, that are powered by AI. And, and that's probably the most interesting aspects of, of how you use AI to do something else. You know, it, AI in itself is interesting, but but it's kind of more impressive if you're using AI to, you know, find, you know, drug discovery, you know, or, or find new materials, uh, reduce, you know, reduce wait times of lab results, things like that. So, so we look at a lot of things like that. For sure. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on the Jacob Beer Show today. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Maybe any advice for people who might want to go into the field? No, it's STEM? just, it, STEM is cool. Uh, you know, engineering is sort of the revelation of how the you know the world works in some sense or the universe works and once you kind of understand that you know whether like you know my particular career i did you know a variety of different i'm a software you know programmer by trade but i did a lot of networking stuff i did hard disk design um and internet plumbing uh in, in various guises electronic books consumer products and you know electric cars they're all very similar, you know, they, they have, you know, obviously differences, but, uh, but once you kind of understand how everything has to work, it, it's, uh, it allows you to move from career to career and interest, uh, really interest to interest, which I particularly like. For sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Jacob Buer show today. It's been great fun. Thank you. Day.